Patriots Beat is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Welcome in to another live edition of the Patriots Beat podcast here on the CLNS Media Network and here on a victory Monday. It is Brian Hines from Pat's Pulpit, joined as always by Alex Barth from 98.5 The Sports Hub. And the Patriots came back from the dead almost to knock off their division rival, the Buffalo Bills, 29-25. And Alex, they did some stuff where I don't know if anyone's ever brought up these ideas like giving DeMario Douglas the ball, playing Michael Winnu at right tackle, wearing silver pants instead of the blueberries. <laughs> but they did some some interesting stuff in this game to help them get this uh, a big upset upset victory in the AFC East. This game, it, it certainly felt like there was a level of, well, what if we just try all the things everybody's yelling at us to do? <laughs> I mean, rotating coverage on Stephon Diggs, uh, bigger workload for for Christian Barmore, running the ball from under center and in short situations, uh, the way they play Josh Allen, all of I, I wonder where uh, those things showed up. I wonder where those things have been talked about before. You, if you watch this show, if you listen to this show, that game plan might have stood out a little bit. So. Look, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of get to what it is. I'm not ready to start booking trips to Vegas or anything. It's a good win. You hope they learned a lot about what they saw. And to be fair, we'll get into some of those changes they made. I think some of them maybe they couldn't have made until this point. But when we kind of sat up here during camp, and if you remember back, my big takeaway for the season was they'll be They'll be competitive. They will be one of the teams competing for one of those last wild card spots. Maybe they get in. Maybe they're the last team out, but they'll be in the question. What we saw Sunday, that's what me and a lot of other people had in mind. That was coming out of training camp, the team we envisioned, and I think that they envisioned. Yeah, 100%. For this season. And again, we'll get into maybe you know the long-term implications of that game and how duplicatable that game was. But that's who they can be when when they get their heads on straight and when they put out a good effort and they have a good week of preparation, that's who they can be. You know, I, that's part of the reason the last couple of weeks were so frustrating because they yeah. have the ability to do these things. And for one reason or another, I, th- I think some valid, to be fair, and again, we'll get into those. They just didn't do them. Yeah. No, that was, we were waiting. It was, it was me and Taylor. We were waiting right after the game uh, for the elevator to go down to the press conferences. And I literally said to him, that was the team I expected to see coming out of the summer, right? Where you, you run the ball, you move the ball that way, you protect Mac Jones. He can execute the, the, this quick game, the play action passing, all the motion, which we can get into it. And the defense, you know, spins the dial so much on the back end with all this versatility, even though they're down Christian Gonzalez and Matt Judon, that they make life difficult on Josh Allen. That was the team we saw during the summer. And that's what we expected to see earlier this year that we haven't. And as you said, where does it go from here? Like this is either going to be kind of a blip in the radar, or maybe they can kind of turn this thing around. Like the team, I think a lot of people are talking about is the 2021 Dolphins, I believe it was, where they were one and yeah. seven, and then they finished the year nine and eight. They missed the playoffs on some funky last second tie, but they built this momentum, and then they went out and got, you know, Tyreek Hill. They made a tough, 
uh, decision at the coach to fire Brian Flores and Brandon Mike McDaniel, and now you see where the Dolphins are now. So we'll see what happens. Do you have the Dolphins this week? But it's it's a good win, and it's always nice to beat Buffalo, Buffalo too, in the process. I I know you love that, especially with Josh Allen uh, struggling. Well, oh, we 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 will get to the Bills too. We will <laughs> get to my thoughts on the Bills. Don't you worry about that. They I are. will not let you wrap up this show before we get to my yeah. thoughts on the Bills, but we do need to start with the Patriots because yeah. that was very notable. All right. But I thought, you know, we talked about some of those changes. I thought the biggest one that someone said it for us in the chat was Mike Unwinu finally moving him to right, at, right tackle after I just looked it up about an hour ago. I think it was 35 pressures from the right tackle position in the first uh, six games of the season, which is an unbelievable amount. Yeah. They bumped Mike Unwinu out to right tackle finally. City so at, at right guard. Cole Strange comes back at left guard, and they look good. Mac Jones, it was a 21.9% pressure rate, season best, and you let him sit in the pocket, execute that quick game. He said it, like, the line is the big thing for me. I can sit back there, read the defense how I want to see it. And it came with Mike Unwinu finally at right tackle. I mean, on Wendu alone, you mentioned the, the collective numbers, but one pressure allowed, no sacks, 98.5 efficiency rate, shout out to Sports Hub, 74.5 PFF grade, all season best for a Patriots right tackle, and most of those not close. Now, why didn't they do this sooner? He might not have been healthy enough. Yeah. He only, he'd only played, what was it, two games before this one? I know he was active last week, but he didn't play which didn't make a lot of sense. But Bill said he he was only going to play in the ca- in case of an emergency. Um, he has played five. Wow, it does not feel like that many. But he's clearly been banged up to start the year. He's played in five, but he's only, before yesterday, he'd only played in four. Only two, he played the full game. Other games, he was rotational. So I wonder if maybe he was hurt in the order of this. There's no other legitimate reason. If there was some other reason, whether it's, his, his contract and what they'd have to pay him in the off season, or if it's development or whatever, those are wrong answers. If he was hurt and he couldn't physically do it, I understand that. But there is a reason he needs to be out there. And you saw it yesterday when the bills come around the edge, he's the only guy we think of him as like this big, powerful blocker. And he is, but he's the only guy that has the foot speed to go out there with some of the speed rushers and, the way the Patriots offensive line had been beat so much this year was just off the first step, off the quick first step, and Vidarian Low, Calvin Anderson being unable to recover. Michael Nguyen was running right out there with guys. Brian, I didn't even know Vaughn Miller played in this game yeah. until after the game, the Bills, their, their like final tweet, which I went through and looked at the replies, and they were hilarious, but Vaughn Miller is in the picture, and somebody replied, Vaughn Miller being in this picture is the only reason I know he played in the game. Yeah, it was. And the other thing it does, putting Mike Onwenu in the game, you know who else was really good on Sunday? City So. Yeah, he was. Because not only did you have Vidarian Lowe at right tackle, who's probably not ready to be there, you have to have him overcompensate for rookie that's next to him, which makes both things worse. That rookie can't get any help. Now you have Mike Onwenu, David Andrews, two veteran capable lineman and and Cole Strange coming back as part of this too. And Cole Strange was good. I know I kind of knocked him earlier in the season. He had a good game. I'll give him credit there. That whole thing, remember about you can cover up one spot, right? If four or your five linemen are good, 
you'll be okay. That's what that was. Trent Brown, Cole Strange, David Andrews, Mike Unwin all held their own. And within that, you're able to help out the rookie city so a little bit. And boom, you have functioning offensive line play. You can only cover up one spot. Probably going to have to either be right guard or right tackle, depending on where Owen Owen is playing. And he should stay at tackle. Let me be very clear about that. If he's not playing tackle next week, that is a major uh, down mark for the coaching staff. But it's not just about, oh, they don't have a good enough right tackle. Put Mike Owen out there. It changes the entire complexion of the offensive line. And you saw the results of it in that game on Sunday. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Just keeping Mac upright, giving him that pressure. And, like City So, as you just said, was very good. And having two veterans next to him to anchor him, him was awesome. And I thought, like, he, he's definitely above Mafia at this point. He, he was physical. Like, he, he had some really good moments. He had one where, like, no one no one was coming at him, and he just looking for work and absolutely, like, cleaned up duty on David Andrews' guys. So he, he was a good physical guy. Cole Strange, as you said, was also good. Good to get him back in there and, I mean, the Bills were missing, like, Ed Oliver, some of their big interior pass rushers, but you just saw what competent offensive line play can do for your offense. And, I mean, they're running the ball, too. Like, the last two weeks, they have the best success rate in football on the ground with, you know, Zeke is looking excellent in between the tackles. Mondre started looking like himself a little bit, maybe more in the passing game yesterday. He's still, you know, wearing some contact in the running game, but... Just everything this team wants to do builds through the offensive line, and that's why you have to keep Michael Winu at right tackle here going forward. So so Zeke's uh touchdowns classic Zeke. Bills had him dead to right to the two yard line, and he just he wouldn't get off his feet, kept spinning, twisting, found a way to get into the end zone. That play right there is I'm guessing the exact play they pictured when they signed him back in August. Like, they signed him to score that yeah. touchdown. And he said it He said it Wednesday, right? He's like, we don't have to be cute when we get in short yardage right. situations. Just give me or Ramondre the ball, and we're going to go downhill, and we're going to we're gonna get it for you. And that's exactly what he did there. And then on Ramondre, if he – and this is kind of gets to the point of how sustainable is it, and this is the overarching point of the game, Like, and we'll get to that in a bit, but if he can look like that in the passing game, I, I I don't, like, he's been fine running the ball. I think he's maybe been knocked a little too much when you factor in the lack of offensive line play in front of him. But something that's really hurt this offense, Brian, and this is something I've talked a lot about, James White left two years ago, and they never really made an effort to replace him. I know Pierre Strong kind of was that supposed to be that guy, but he never caught more than 16 passes in a season in college, and then they traded him after one year. So I I don't know how much of an honest effort that really was. And that's a major, major role in this offense that they are entrusting to players who it's not their primary skill set. If Ramondre Stevenson can look like that in the passing game, that changes a lot because now maybe you have a legitimate third down back. Can he continue to do that? I don't know, right? We have five games of evidence, six games of evidence versus one game of evidence. But if he can continue to give to give you that, that's another element that the offense hasn't had to this point. That having that guy who can turn the check down into a five, six yard gain mm-hmm. on first and second down, that's big. Especially with a quarterback like Mac Jones. That's big. So we'll see if he can continue to do that. But it was an encouraging sign to see. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel. 
America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Yeah, and, and we saw some of that in training camp, I feel like. Ramondre was a kind of a favorite target of Mac checked down. And even on that last game winning drive, which we can talk about a little bit more, it was Ramondre, obviously the big screen making people miss, but then he had another little like short angle route out of the backfield where I think he picked up 10 yards to move him inside uh, the five or 10 yard line down at the end there. So that, that would be a big addition to this offense. You know, we've been clamoring for Ty Montgomery here and the Clearly, or I guess we can't say they clearly aren't going to do that because we kept saying they clearly weren't going to play Michael Wynn at tackle, right. and they did. So maybe they'll pull Ty Montgomery out of nowhere here. But if, if Ramondre uh, could be that guy, that would be another interesting piece here to kind of add uh, to that to that offensive personnel and plethora of weapons there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's talk Mac because. Uh, Oh, for 14. One more, and... one more on the, one more on the weapons before, or, or two more on the weapons before, or did you want to do the receivers after? I was going to do it. We well, can just do the weapons now if you want to. Let's do the weapons. Now. I, I kind of want to wrap the offense with Mac because uh, my, my take right. with Mac is kind of the same as my overarching take. Sorry to blow up your show run down there. But, um... <laughs> no, we can audible. Um, weapons, they finally relied on Pop Douglas. He was awesome. There was still like you see some of the rookie growing pains that pass on third down where like Mac was gonna go go to pop but he didn't sit in a zone and he went back into a defender then Mac had to like double clutch and it slipped out of his hand and you saw him yelling at him but the things he brings to this offense outgrows those uh you yeah. know rookie mistakes from time to time like, like the his, more he plays the less you'll see those yeah. mistakes it'll only get better and better that the too. only way you work through, through those mistakes is him playing but his ability to make people miss is unlike any other. Same with Kendrick Bourne. I know he had the fumble, but still one of your best receivers after the catch, as we've always been saying. And credit to the coaching staff, again, for playing those two guys. You saw Devontae Parker's snap uh, count decrease after his drop last last week and really just not giving you much on the field the last few games. So good to see that type of switch, and that should keep continuing going forward, especially when Juju Smith-Schuster comes back into the fold too. So something I thought was really interesting, Mac had his lowest, not only his lowest A dot of the season, average depth of target. Career, wasn't it? In the air. So the lowest A dot of his career, I think it was like 4.4 yards, but he had his, his highest yards per completion of the season. That's what this offense needs to be, and that's what Bill O'Brien's offense is in a nutshell. Make the read. You're going to have an, an easy open target based on what the defense is doing if you make the read correctly, even if it's just short. And the idea is maybe the defense only gives you short stuff all day. 
if you have guys that can create after the catch, you're still going to be able to move the ball. To Mario Douglas is a game changer with the ball in his hands. You look at that 20-yard run. That should have been a three-yard run. He makes two different defenders miss on that play. The punt returns another example of this. And then he's out there running good routes. The, the, the play late in the game to set up the game-winning touchdown, great catch, great hands, all of it. This kid's legit. This kid, I, I don't know that he's, you know, Tyree Kill, a number one receiver, any of that. And everyone, Antonio Brown was the one I saw way too much on Twitter yesterday. There's a little but, bit. I understand why people are saying yeah. that. I would pump the brakes, but I understand why people are saying it. But he is a legitimate threat as an NFL receiver, and that is more than you can say for just about any receiver that's come through this building in the last five years. Jacoby Myers probably being the lone exception, and then Kendrick Bourne now, but they refuse to play him. Jamar Douglas needs play. Kendrick Bourne also needs play. I know he fumbled. I get that. And I'm just, as somebody who roots for him, I think he's a, a, you know, I like the way he approaches the game. I always say Kendrick Bourne can play for my team any day. I'll find a place for him on the roster. Narrative's obviously a lot different if they don't come back and win. So I'm very glad that that, uh, (laughs) they did. The fumble hurts. But again, this is, when you don't get out and acquire all pros, players are going to have warts. That's the reality of it. Kendrick Bourne's still one of your best receivers. Even with that fumble, his day was a net positive. Even with that fumble, he's another guy that can get out there, make players miss, plays with good energy. He needs to play. Uh, um, and nice to see him. About? Nice to see him after the fumble. They went, they kept him on the field for that yes. last drive. Yes, I don't, that was. I, I don't think he touched the ball or got a target, but like he was on the field. They still trust. They put him, him out there, which out is there. big. Yeah. Uh, Devontae Parker, I'm fine with him having a lesser usage rate. I He still should play a little bit, maybe more in the red zone. They need the size. I'm not going to say take him off the field completely, but I'm totally fine with him. He was the third wide receiver yesterday. That's about right. Yeah. That's about right. And and he was actually the fourth at times. I'll get to that in a second. When Juju comes back, first of all, I, they need to really look at his knee because if his knee's not actually okay and they've kind of been, he's been working through it, Put him on IR right now and give him four weeks to get better. And we'll see what it looks like after that. I don't know where his role is in this offense right now. I don't know. And they're going to play him because they paid him. I'm not playing him over Bourne. I'm not playing him over Douglas. Maybe you're rotating him and Parker as the third guy. And there is something to be said for that. Cause they do both give you things that Douglas and Bourne don't have. I just don't know that those skills, those effort for Parker, it's size, for Juju, it's um, like like field vision, like field vision beating zones, things like that. I don't know that those things are going to be as emphasized in this offense as what the other two guys give you. The other wild cards here, Tyquan, he's your, he's your fourth, fifth receiver right now. You're going to send him on go routes. They did now where he should play, and they did run some speed packages. Where it was a combination of three of these four, and they threw a couple of these out. Douglas Bourne and then either Thornton or Jalen Rager. And they use those with Rager. They use that package a lot. Whereas Bourne, Douglas and Rager, that's legitimate speed. Yeah. That's legitimate speed on the field. Rager also blocks his ass off, which I didn't see coming. The guy like that. The pop Douglas run. He had an awesome block to kind of set him, set him loose on that one. I would not be surprised. So Rager's out of practice squad elevations. I would not be surprised. I also wouldn't be entirely upset if next time an active roster spot opens up. It's Rager. It's Rager. Rager gets signed to the active roster. I think he's earned it. Yeah. I'm not saying play him a ton, but 
as your fourth receiver. I I I would I just talked about the rotation with Parker and Juju and Jalen Rager. That should be your rotation for your third guy. And then Tyquan's just kind of a burner. But Demario Douglas and Kendrick Bourne played significantly more than any other receiver. I got the order backwards. Bourne played like I think it was 56 or 60 snaps. And then Douglas in there at like 37. They used a lot of 13 as well. And I want to get to that in a second. But those are the two receivers that have to play. Douglas Bourne have to play. The offense is at its best when those two guys are out there. When you take them off the field, it doesn't look the same. It, it, there's they're, they're working through much more resistance when you take those two guys off the field because Mac knows if the blitz is coming or he's facing pressure, one of those two guys, and the overarching point to all this is Bill O'Brien did a great job with this game plan. We didn't really talk about him. Yeah, it was awesome. Should. Mac knows one of those two guys, more often than not, is running some route that's going to have him two or three yards from the line of scrimmage. Mac can just get at him quick, and he still has a chance at a decent-sized gain because of what those two guys can do with the ball in their hands. You're not getting that with Parker. I think they thought they would get that in Juju, but they're no. just not. It's not happening. Those two guys need to play because that is the element this offense needs. That's what. That's exactly what I was just going to say. Like You signed Juju to be that yak guy where you mentioned Max low, A dot, and his low you know, average uh, uh, short throw time, getting the ball quick, getting it short, but you're getting yards after the catch from Douglas. And Bourne, you need that in this Bill O'Brien offense. And Rager really is the wild card here because they started to do this last week, even in, you know before Parker's drop, where he would come off the field and Rager saw a little bit of an uptick in snaps at that X spot. And outside of like the big body, which you could still have with Parker in the in the red area, like he Rager's kind of giving you more. You mentioned the speed yeah. element, you mentioned the blocking element, even on one of like Parker's you know go-to routes, that five-step slant, like Rager had a good route, he caught that, and then he can give you some of that burning element, like going downfield, spreading out the defense. So that would be interesting if you know Juju goes on IR or, or Booty, who they don't seem to want to play right now, guessing that's He's not showing it on the practice field at this point. Now he has a hamstring injury. Maybe he ends up on IR. I would uh, be more than fine giving that active yeah. roster spot to Jalen Rager. So that that will be interesting to see. And to, to the people in the chat, I, and I get it, you're, you're like, Jalen Rager, the first-round boss is going to come in and save the offense. It's not quite that. It is, it's October. You're not adding players. They are yeah. where they are. I'm not saying Jalen Rager is part of the long-term plan to fix the offense, but for this season, you want to get things going this season. Jalen Rager right now is a better option than a lot of the guys on the roster. Doesn't mean yeah. that he's perfect. There's flaws in his game. There certainly are. But for the group they're working with, Jalen Rager's earned playing time compared to some of the other guys you're talking about at that position. It's as simple as that. He's giving you the most out of that group. Yeah. So that that would be like T. Higgins isn't becoming available all of a sudden. So you got to roll right. with what you got and Jalen Rager. Uh, has been worthy of an uptick in, in snaps here. I, I still wish it was Booty. Like, I'd love to see him back out there and see what they have in him. But again, it just doesn't look like they're going in that direction, especially now that he's back on the injury report with a hamstring injury. But we got to talk tight ends because it was National Tight yes. Ends Day yesterday and they showed up. It was like it was only 80 yards on six catches, something in that range. And Gasicki's obviously game winning touchdown for the three, but. They made big plays when it mattered. Pharaoh Brown all of a sudden is like the best tight end in football. I think he actually leads PFF in tight end grade. He was good against the run again, and he had two catches for 50-something yards. He's averaging 25 and a half yards a catch this year, and like it's 
down the seam. It's on a short bootleg where he's catching and running with it. Like he has been an awesome third tight end. And then Henry is reliable self. You know, you saw that big third down conversion on their last drive. Uh, and then Gasicki gets involved there with the game winning touchdown. So the stats might not have blown anyone away as a combined unit, but uh, the, the tight end group had a really solid uh, holiday there on national tight ends day. Yeah, I, I think Henry's dealing with something. He doesn't quite look like himself. He's not as productive as he was earlier yeah, in the year. The ankle is definitely bothering him. But he's still out there. You give him credit. Mike Gasicki finally gets one. That gets him going. I know some people have kind of called out his lack of production. Scott Zolak on the call said from the side of milk carton uh, into the end zone, <laughs> something like that. I think they brought him here to be a red zone threat. They just haven't been in the red zone that much. Yeah, That's the reality of it. So maybe it was, this. It was interesting that. They kind of ran the same play to Pop Douglas, and Mac overthrows them, and then they're yeah. like, "Let's get Mike Kosicki in here, like the and six four Mike Kosicki or whatever he is." And then they, you know, they score right it away. It was funny. I turn a, I turn a, to to Matt Dolph and, and Mike Catholic in the press box, and they're like, "Was that an overthrow?" And if you look, there's actually a safety, maybe as a linebacker, underneath Pop on that play. And if Mac throws that where Pop can get it, it's picked. He had to put it high, and Pop. Love Pop Douglas, 5'8, can't teach height. And I said to them, like, if he, I think I said Parker at the time, but I was like, if he throws that to Parker, he throws that to Henry, it's a touchdown. And then, so that's a good yeah. observation by you. Uh, as for Pharaoh Brown, what a, a, another guy that's kind of becoming a great, looks like he could be a great find. Yeah. Really does. I think, aside from the plays he's made, and I, I don't think this kind of production is sustainable in a volume role. Because right now, I think teams just don't cover him because they're not worried about him. He's five targets all year. That's being said, like, keep mixing it in once or twice a game. To get and he does. He's, he's nasty at the catch point. He yeah. he will not be denied at the catch point. He doesn't let guys tackle him. And that goes to my bigger point on Farrell Brown. For all we've talked about, maybe some guys on the offensive side of the ball quitting. And I, I do think there's something to that. Farrell Brown's not on that list, man. That dude balls. That dude is out there with a purpose, running routes, blocking, running after the catch. You see him shaking off guys after the catch. Uh, there, there were a couple instances down there on the goal line where he's getting into it late with players on the Bills. There's one Jim Louth pointed this out to me. I thought it was a great point. I noticed it at the time, but I didn't really register what's going on. Before the Zeke touchdown, they get stopped. And Pharaoh Brown, I think it was before the Zeke touchdown, there's one play they get stopped trying to run the ball in. And Pharaoh Brown kind of, he's on the field. He kind of motions to, to Bill O'Brien, like, hey, like, give it to us again. Get, let us go again. We're pushing him back. We're pushing him back. Like, that kind of confidence, that kind of attitude, that kind of swagger, this team needs this right now. And you, you saw it from after the game. Somebody asked him something about, like, you know, it's his goal to, you know, whatever, that something about the big players. There. He goes, I'm just out there. I'm playing. I'm, I'm out there playing to make plays. That's what I'm doing. And you can tell, this is a guy, he's got a little bit of nasty to him. He's got a little bit of nasty and a, a little more confidence than you'd expect from a guy like that. A little bit of attitude. You see what he's celebrating after plays too. That's a guy that's enjoying being on the field. Yeah. And for what we've seen from this team to start the season, there's something to be said for that. Again, I'm not saying play him 80% of the time or anything like that, but what, I think he played like 20 snaps yesterday. He's in like uh... the... I don't have it exactly, but it was it was a good mix. They mixed all those guys through a good amount. He he was he was hard. I wouldn't say he was buried. Yeah, I would say he played about as much as he should have. I liked the way both the the overall amount of snaps he played and the situations they mixed him into. 
it felt right. He played 23, 38%. Okay, yeah. Henry, that's... Henry and Gasicki both played 30, which was 50%. So, like, they didn't really use – I don't think they had one snap in 13, but they yeah, – I think they had one on the goal line. Uh, maybe maybe I one I think they went there. to the goal They didn't a lot. And as especially as long as Henry's hurt, that kind of usage rate right yeah. there, it almost felt like at times – they Pharaoh Brown stayed on the field. They were switching Gasicki and Henry as the tight end one. Pharaoh Brown's still a tight end two, but he's staying on the field more because he gives them that blocking element and that big body. So really like what I saw from him. Really like what I saw from him. I want to see him stay involved. Yeah. And that was another thing in training camp. We were seeing if one of these guys, your guy Johnny Lumpkin, if one of these guys right. could like step up as a third tight end in the uh, run blocker, and then you signed Pharaoh Brown about a week before, week ten days before uh, the regular season there, and he's been awesome. And then as a run blocker, then he's given you twenty five yards of catch in, in the past game. It's only been five catches, but for an offense that needs explosives, like if you get one of those a game from Pharaoh Brown, like you take that. So that that's been uh, a really good treat there. So. Good to see the good to see the tight ends playing really well. I want to bring up Sean's comment here because I wholeheartedly disagree with it. I'd get rid of Trent Brown too. He says I thought no Trent Brown Trent was Brown. good again yesterday, and he's, he's the highest of, rated tackle on PFF right yeah. now in the league. He's been one of their best offense, probably not even offense, just players this year. Yes, he had one bad game. Um, it was the Cowboys or the Saints game, but like they're down big. He checked out. It happens. If that's the worst thing he does this year, he checks out when they're down 24 points at halftime or whatever it was. That's the worst thing he does. Great. He had a great year. If that's the worst thing he does, he's been I mean, their best lineman, one of their best players. I'm with you 100%, Brian. It, it, unless we're talking about if they truly want to sell at the deadline, you may be able to get something for Trent Brown. Like I'm talking like a second round pick. If you can do that, two and five, yeah, I'd consider that. But I'm not trading Trent Brown to get rid of Trent Brown. Somebody's going to have to blow me away with an offer to yeah. get him. Let's talk about the one drive he missed, and Vidarian Lowe came in, and it was yeah. ineligible man downfield on Vidarian Lowe, which negated like a huge screen, a pressure, and then Kendrick Bourne's fumble, which Vidarian Lowe wasn't part of, but he still fumbled, and then Vidarian Lowe got hurt. It was hockey. It's plus minus. It's yeah. atrocious. So if that's what you want to go to over Trent Brown, like be my guest. But I think Trent Brown uh, has been awesome this year. He's been dealing with that chest peck injury. I think the injury uh, yesterday they said was a knee injury, so we'll yeah. kind of monitor his status there. He did return for that last drive, which is good. Uh, but I thought Trent Brown was awesome. So. Uh, we can end with Mac, and we can end with O'Brien on offense because you mentioned it quick. I thought O'Brien's, excuse me, his game plan there was awesome. The uptick in motion the last few weeks, last two weeks specifically, have been exactly what you know we hoped for. We've been clamoring for it since you know Patricia last year. I think the motion shift percentage is about seventy. I have it right here, seventy six percent, right over seventy six percent. So. And you're seeing the effects of it. Like the first series of the game, you have motion screen to Pop Douglas as a drive starter. Then he makes a man miss, nine yards. And then you have that orbit with Kendrick Bourne. You hand it off to Ramondre, 14 yards. And then you're moving the pocket to Farrell Brown. Like it was an excellent script. Build off that motion with the RPOs, play action. We mentioned the quick game a lot. I thought that was a really good script and game plan from Bill O'Brien. And Mac executed it very well. Uh, finally got that game-winning drive 
finally beat a team. He was 0-14 when uh, uh, the other team has scored 25 or more points in New England, finally checked that off. So good game from Mac and a really good uh, script and plan there from, from Billy O. That's the guy. That's the guy. When I say, yeah, you can you can make it work with Mac Jones, that's, that's the guy I'm talking about. You get it blocked in front of him, and, and he made some throws. Under, I think it was five for six, or he's against the Blitz. It wasn't just pressure, but against the Blitz. He's, I think, five for six, six for seven yesterday. Shredded the Bills Blitz. Because when he's not under pressure every single snap, he handles it better when it's intermittent. And that's not a Mac Jones thing. That's an every quarterback. He looked thing. much more comfortable in the pocket yesterday than he had. Right, because he can gain a level of comfort. So when there is pressure, he's not, it builds on you. It's, it's cumulative. Each down isn't its own thing. So when you're pressured down after down after down after down, that's going to wear you out. When you're just dealing with it here and there, it becomes a little easier to deal with. And then he's putting the ball on, guys. Composed. He led the drive at the end of the game. I hated, I hate the Mac Jones hasn't led a game-winning drive thing because he's done it at times. Like, he's done it. And then either, you know, against Cincinnati last year, Ramondre fumbles, or against the, yeah. the Cowboys, the defense gives up a bad touchdown or whatever. Like, he's done this more than we give him credit for. But you saw it there yesterday. It was an excellent job of him to lead that drive in a weird spot with the timeout situation. They put the ball in his hands on the goal line. I didn't know if they were going to trust him to do that. That's the guy I'm talking about. When I say they could make it work with him, let's not rush back to the quarterback carousel. That's the guy. Which didn't now, look good. The college quarterback carousel did not look good. No, we we'll will get, get to that. <laughs> Here's the flip side of it. Mac Jones, and, and I know Greg Bedard wrote this thing about, and I heard I heard, I heard Felgren Maz uh, give it, giving, him, giving it to him for it, about how Mac Jones, uh, I think he answered all the questions or whatever. In a sense, he did. The, the, the question is about pressure. Uh, but like like rush pressure and situational pressure late in the game, the questions about distributing the ball, like throwing in not just Hunter Henry, right? Things like that showed a little mobility, whether it was moving within the pocket or he had that run early in the game that was like a sneaky big play. There's one box he didn't check, and it's not one he could have checked in that game. Like you can't check in one game, and that's consistency. And that, and, and this, by the way, is my overarching take on the offense and the whole game. But Mac Jones is a part of this. I think that was the Patriots' best punch. I think that game was their Super Bowl. The Bills have wiped the floor with them for basically since Brady retired. Six and one since Brady retired. The one win came in the windstorm. They were, they, national media is writing them off. Bills' jobs on the line. People are talking about all the first-round quarterbacks. Sell, sell, sell at the deadline, all of it. That game was their Super Bowl. They were going If they were going to show up for any game this year, that was it. And they showed up. Credit to them. They showed up. And again, they threw their best punch. Can they do it again? And can they do it regularly? Can they play that way? What are, uh, what? So they're what? Two and five now. They played seven games. They had 10 games left. Can they play that way? 10 more times. I don't know about that. Eight more times. Ugh. Five more times. Maybe two to three, right? Like that's the question. That again, that's their best punch. That is, we'll talk about the defense. There were some things the defense could have done better, but for the most point, for what the roster is, that game, the way they played it, is more or less what you're going to get when they max out. Can they? And and that's not to say that like there are teams that max out for 
nobody does it for every game, but 12, 13, 14 games a season. That's what good teams do. Niners max out significantly. How many times in the last 10 in the last 10 games of the season here can the Patriots play that game? And that's basically the big and I don't know the answer. My guess, two to five. Two to five game. And it depends who you play them against, because I don't know if that game gets past the Chiefs. It certainly gets you past Washington, Indy, who else they have down there? Buffalo, and not Buffalo. Um, we'll the get Jets. to Buffalo in a second. Jets the Jets, probably. I wanted to say Denver. Yeah, it gets you past those teams. So can they play that game again? How often can they play it? Who do they play it against? That's the question coming away. But that, to, to what we said on top, when we saw them in training camp, that's the team we saw. We said they'll be okay. They might steal some games here and there. They'll be in the playoff picture. That's the kind of team we saw. And and it could this it, Mac Jones is at the crux of this. That's Mac Jones at about his best. It may, maybe he can take it like one step above that, but that's more or less Mac Jones at his best. You can win with that. You can certainly win with that. I there's he was a top ten quarterback in the league this week. It's better than the guy on the other side. Everybody's you know Joshy Poo, MVP <laughs> snub whatever is better than him. Much better than him. Can Mac Jones give you that game week in and week out? Because if he does that, the conversation around the quarterback in the draft changes drastically. And the conversation about Mac Jones' fifth-year option changes drastically. Mac Jones plays seven, eight more games like that. You pick up the fifth-year option, you put some more peace around him, and you see what you have. Mac Jones plays one or two more games like that, take quarterback in the first round. Yeah. Yeah. No. So that's that's where I'm at with Mac and with the team. Great game. Best punch. Do it again. And you do it again, right? It and Miami, I Miami, I think is a good test because if they play that game against Miami, they're gonna have a shot. I don't know that it's a guaranteed win, and I think Miami's better than Buffalo, but they're gonna have a shot if they play that game again next week. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, you mentioned Mac under pressure. Uh, Taylor posted some of the stats earlier. He was under pressure four four forty two yards touchdown versus the blitz. 8 of 9, 113 yards and a touchdown. And versus man coverage, which has been the big downfall this year, is another reason why you got to get Pop and Demario Douglas out there, get some separators out there. He was 6 of 7, 67 yards and two touchdowns. So awesome, like, top five game of probably Max's career. There were still a few plays you, you know, you'd like them to make. He admitted once or twice he still dropped his eyes on the rush and got kind of happy feet. One of his sacks was like that. I think he missed Kendrick Bourne. A few times too. One was uh, right before the half, so there were still plays to be made. But again, that was one of Mac Jones's, <clears throat> excuse me, one of his best games of his career. Leading that drive, even before that, some real nice throws to Henry uh, Farrell Brown down the seam, Demario Douglas down the seam, down the seam. That's the Mac Jones you yeah. want to see. If you get that, then maybe you're talking Keon Coleman, Roma Adunze, right? Exactly. Yeah. Joe Alter, yeah. uh, Olufashanu. I thought it a really good game against Ohio State. Um, and he Max said it after the game, he was like, Yeah, Bill O'Brien called the game with stuff I liked at Alabama. That's Alabama Mac. Yeah, there you exactly. Go. That's what that was. Yep. So, really good script from O'Brien. Good game from Mac. Good game from the offense. Finally, starting to do some new things to test it out. But let's get over to the defense. And before we do that, we will hear. From... All right. It is football season. But, Alex, do you have a World Series favorite over on FanDuel? I, uh, 
So I, I, I want to say I felt like the Phillies had that kind of team of destiny thing going, and I love the idea of the team that lost the World Series before kind of learning what it takes and coming back. But they're down 5-1 right now. Craig Kimbrell's coming into the game. Oh, I know God. they still got game seven, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I The Astros have all the momentum in the ALCS, but I think the Rangers are the better team. I do think the Rangers pull it out tonight. Rangers-Phillies would be an awesome series. Yeah. We're going to get Astros Diamondbacks. And that's just going to be a blood. Like the Diamondbacks, credit to them. I like, like the Diamondbacks. This is a great but, run. Yeah. They shouldn't still be playing. They're not. They're a young team. Like they have some talent. Corbin Carroll can play. Young guy. Young guy. And then they have guys on the other end. Like like Merrill Kelly's 35. He's been in the majors for three years. They, they don't have the pedigree that these other three teams have. Yet they're still here. So credit to them for that. But I think it runs out eventually. And I, I think Houston would smack them. Texas probably smack them too. Yep. Uh, everyone or Phillies and Astros are plus 200 Rangers plus 260 Diamondbacks plus 450. If you want to go get them on FanDuel, maybe they, they, they take a run there. I think Rangers Diamondbacks would be fun just because it's two kind of new teams, but we'll, we'll kind of see there, but uh, back to football, back to the Patriots. Cause they finally solved Josh Allen. He has had their way with them. The last seven matchups, we mentioned it on the Thursday preview, 18 touchdowns, two interceptions. He threw them one right off the bat. They finally caught it. Jabril Peppers, it was wonderful. They finally, as you said in the beginning, they mixed up their coverages on Stefan Diggs. They pressured Josh Allen uh, up the middle. Christian Barmore was excellent. And they finally, they still gave up 25 points. There were still some of the things they could have done better, but they finally kind of slowed down Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs there and did enough to get a victory against the Bills. So the Patriots defense did some good things in this game. They did some bad things. I actually thought this was probably the first game of the year, probably the first game in a while, Brian. When's the last time the defense, the offense played a better game than the defense? Uh, Minnesota, maybe? But Probably, like, yeah. Thanksgiving last year, so almost yeah. a year ago. And Bar, uh, not Barmore, Godshaw said that after the game. He's like, "We kind of blew it there at the end, and they came yeah. up and picked us up." So it's so good to see that uh, as you were kind of getting at. So we'll we'll get to the highs and lows. Let me say this: <clears throat> Josh Allen was bad. I don't. It's not Josh Allen didn't have a good game. It's not this wasn't one of Josh Allen's best games. I don't even know how much of it is the Patriots defense out schemed them. They kind of did what they've always done against them. They didn't change much. And I think what they've done against him has always mostly worked. It's just been containing digs. That's the issue. Stefan Diggs had two walk-in touchdowns in the second half of this game that Josh Allen missed. Missed. Completely. And I mean, he was not close. Both those drives ended in three and out. Uh, one of them might have ended in a field goal, but neither one ended in a touchdown. So that is points left on the board by the apple of everybody's eye, Josh Allen. Again, he has this is who he's been all year. We need to hop off with Josh Allen because it's, I, I said this three years ago, and everybody laughed at me. He's electric right now, but the only way he can play this way is to run the ball a good amount of the time and take a lot of hits. And when he does that, he gets banged up and it's not sustainable. The Cam Newton comp for him is so good, except Cam Newton actually won an MVP and actually got to a Super Bowl. His shoulders banged up. They have no run game without him. And you're seeing it. 
And all the Bills fans are upset that Ken Dorsey is trying to turn him into this drop back pocket passer. They have to do it. If he's out there running around taking the hits, he took one big hit from Christian Barmore early in the second half of that game. In the rest of the game, he was wincing every time he threw the ball. Yeah, he was And hard. you could see it in the way he was throwing it. And that's coming off the shoulder injury last week. There's, I, I think people expect the Bills to find this magic equilibrium with Josh Allen where he runs enough where it's an impact and teams have to kind of plan around it, but not too much that he gets hurt and it impacts his ability to throw the ball. I, I think Brian Dayball may have came close, but I don't think that equilibrium exists. And you look at the the you know schoolyard quarterbacks in the league outside of Mahomes, unicorn. A lot of guys that put up really impressive numbers, win a lot of regular season games. Guys like Cam Newton, guys like Aaron Rodgers, guys like Josh Allen. How many of these guys really go all the way? And I think that's something Bills fans need to come to terms with. Plain and simple. That's my Josh Allen minute. Anyway, <laughs> on, on on the defense, on the defense. So I said they did some things well. They did some things not well. Um, <clears throat> again, they, they 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 busted a couple coverages. Josh Allen failed to capitalize on. The tackling wasn't good. Bad tackling. Simply yeah. put, you had, and he made up for it later with the pass breakup on fourth down. That was a good play. But Juwan Bentley missed a tackle. That's the one guy that. He's on the field to, to bring people down. Can't have Juwan Bentley missing tackles. Uh, that was a potentially costly play. Kyle Duggar, Miles Bryant, Adrian Phillips, all to varying degrees. Like, J.C. Jackson's missed tackle was bad. You got to touch him down, then you got to bring him down. Miles Bryant not tackling Josh open, Josh Allen in the open field. Eh, there's a little more leeway with that one. That's a tough play for a guy like Miles Bryant to make. But, like, Patriots came in. They had the fourth-best tackling grade in the league on PFF, six fewest missed tackles in the game, and they could not bring anybody down. Yeah. Now, again, they were a really good tackling team up to that point. So kind of like we talked about with the offense, but in reverse. Was that a blip, or is this something to be concerned about? Miami has broken the second-most tackles. This was going uh, in a, going into the week. Um, I, I don't know the updated numbers for last night, but – Miami had the third most broken tackles in the league heading into week seven. You got to wrap up and bring them down against Miami. That is like the one thing you could not have against the Miami Dolphins is broken tackle. Yeah. So that's something to watch next. I, I'll, I'll let you go with that before I go to the positives. But I thought they did miss some coverages that Allen failed to capitalize on. It, the drill peppers pick. I loved the ex him and Bill both said they beat us on that play last year. We drilled it all week. And then, boom, first play of the game, Bills run it. Cap knows exactly what to look for. And I want to get more into Jabril Peppers, too, when we get to the good. But uh, that that was a pink stripes moment right there. Another thing we haven't had for a while. But um, I'll let you get into kind of the down with the defense before we, we flip it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the tackling was the big thing I had. That, that was bad. Like, Duggar, the, like, you can't bring down Latavius Murray, and he gets a third and 15 conversion. Like, not great. Uh Jack Jones and JC Jackson. I thought it was the typical, you know, like those guys are boomer bust corners, right? They had some good and they had some bad, kind of what you expect there. But I, I just mentioned Duggar quickly. Are you worried about Kyle Duggar at all? Because it's not 
I get he's playing more of that Devin McCourty role, so he might not have the splash plays that you saw the previous years. That's more of Jabril Peppers that he's capitalizing on, but he had he got lost in that coverage on the two-point conversion. He had the missed tackle. Maybe he could have had that Josh Allen throwaway interception, tough play, but one you'd like to see him see him make. Are you worried that because he's kind of taking these Devin McCourty duties and, and that job he's kind of playing a little slower and like you're not seeing him as much in the run game and and kind of down near the line of scrimmage where you more expect to see Kyle Duggar and maybe that's not using him to the best of his abilities and and affecting this defense kind of yeah it's it's, it's kind of a shame and and you know it's funny off the Michael and Wenu game the reason they cited last year they didn't really talk about it this year because again he was hurt it wasn't necessarily a fair question last year when being asked about why and when it wasn't playing tackle, the Patriots said, we want to stick him at one position. It's what's best for his long-term development, which is a legitimate answer. I to, like, I would come back to that and say, okay, well, his long-term position should be right. Tackle stick him there instead of guard. But if they think he's a guard, there is something to be said for just across the board. If you're trying to develop a player, put him in a position and keep him there. It's the best way to develop a player. Kyle Duggar is not a free safety He's just not, he can't be Devin McCourty. And you can tell it's kind of messing with him. And I'm getting to the point now where, where they trade him at the deadline, where they let him walk in the off season. I'm almost at the point where you let Duggar go. You take the money you would pay him, give some of it to Jabril Peppers and give him an extension. And then you go out, whether it's in the draft, whether it's in free agency, whether it's via trade and you get a true free safety. And you go away from the two high you're playing this year, and you go back to that single high with that true free safety with Jabril Peppers and the Kyle Duggar role. Because I'll tell you this about Jabril Peppers, Brian. Awesome. That dude. Awesome. I, am I getting too ahead of it? Am I getting too caught up in the moment <clears throat> if I say Jabril Peppers is a potential cornerstone player? No. If when and they build this roster back up, that's a guy you're going to build around? Because... Well, we heard during the offseason that he kind of was taking more of a, a leadership role, and I'm sure you saw it, but if anyone didn't, that the locker room celebration yeah, video exactly. that the team posts after every win before you know Bill speaks, and then it's usually Matt Slater, and he does his, oh, yeah, and they, they break. Before Slater did his thing, Jabril Peppers said, hold on, I want to say something, and, and took the room. Like he, he's a leader in that locker room. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's a captain next year. And as you mentioned, maybe a, like a kind of a cornerstone for this defense right. moving forward. Or at the very least, a guy that can help you transition. Yeah. He's tw he just turned 28, turned 28 in early October. So should have three to four more years left if he stays healthy. If like high level ball, he's playing like a top 10 safety in the league. Clearly loves being here. He's bought into the program, has embraced the leadership role. The tone he sets. Do you remember my comp, Brian? for Jabril Peppers back in the summer. My no. like max out ceiling comp form. Maybe I didn't do it on this show. I did it with Evan. Rodney Harrison. Okay. I said, Mike, this season, it would not surprise me. Jabril Peppers can be as close to Rodney Harrison as you can be in the modern game. Can't be Rodney Harrison in the modern game. The fines would you, exceed the contract. He wishes he could be. He wishes right, he, he could But be. that's the thing. He wants to be. And yeah. the Tony sets, and you heard, David Andrews called him a psychopath after the game. He loved that. He has one of the best compliments I've ever gotten as a tone setter, as a leader, 
he holds guys accountable, and then he's going out there and he's playing. He's the highest rated graded run defender on PFF in the entire league of any position. That's the kind of guy, when you're at a crossroads that the Patriots are at, maybe you don't have to do a full rebuild of the roster, but you have to retool. That's the guy you look at and you say, we're keeping this guy around, and we want to build a team. You, you're, the team reflects the leaders, right? <clears throat> That's the guy we want our roster to reflect. Or at the very least, we want our defense to reflect. Because he absolutely is that kind of flyer. He's played that way. Even when they were struggling against the Saints, against the Cowboys, he was out there making plays. That's kind of guy. And so people don't get confused when I say, like, extend him. He's actually signed through 2024. Yeah. So you have some flexibility on what you do with him contract-wise. But that's a guy, if they're keeping one of these safeties around, Adrian Phillips is essentially in a contract year. He has very little guaranteed money next year. Uh, Kyle Duggar obviously is in a contract here. Jabril Peppers. I'm building that thing around Peppers. I'm building that room around Jabril Peppers. He's been excellent in beyond as a player, as a leader, in every sense of the word. He's been fantastic. Yeah. Keep he, that guy, keep that guy in the room. He's awesome. And you mentioned the psychopath. His response was funny. He just said, yeah. that's actually a good compliment. I think you got to be a little off to play football anyway. I try to be as crazy energetic as I can. It's not that I'm a psychopath. I'm just more willing to run into a grown man at full speed than a lot of guys are. So he's awesome. And the leadership is huge. I think it's, I think Phil Perry said it the other day or, or last week, like, you start to wonder who the next, he called them torch bearers. Like who are these next guys yeah. in the organization that are going to take the torch and lead because they like, they don't have any of these guys on second contracts. Like that's why it might be worth paying a guy like Mike on like to pass the torch and, right. and you'd love Jabril Peppers to be one of those guys. Cause it looks like he wants it too. Like he wants to be yeah. a leader. He wants to hear his voice, uh, let his voice be heard. Well, that and, was the other thing he said post game. He got asked, like, how do you keep that intensity up when you're one and five and you're getting blown out? And it was like, I think the question was like, how do you keep the belief in Bill Belichick? And his answer was, I want to actually find the actual answer, but to sum it up, basically was Bill Belichick's the greatest of all time. These are the New England Patriots. You go out there and play for the brand. That last part I know he actually said. I want to find this because it was a really good uh, quote. But yeah, it was the answer was like, yeah, that's a guy that's a leader. That's a guy that cares above all else about winning football games, which is awesome. Um, yeah, here it is. Uh, and so he's on, on his belief in Bill Belichick and the team in their situation. I mean, it's he's pro, uh, he's probably the best to do it. 49, 50 years in the league. He knows how to win. He coaches the right way. We take it very personally when we don't go out there and execute the way that we want. Uh, sorry, he said, we're going to continuously play hard for him. We take it very personally when we don't go out there and execute the way that we want to. No matter how things go, you're professional. You've got to go out there, play football for the brand, and you always want to execute no matter what happens. So we don't really listen to the outside noise. We know we've got everything we need in that locker room. It's just about going out there and executing. Leader. Leader. Yeah. He's awesome. That's our Jabril Peppers minute, or five minutes that he always deserves. But uh, I had one more down uh, on, on the defense and it was kind of yeah. in that safety room, and someone brought it up here. Mapu needs more playing time. We mentioned it like so much on Thursday that this would be the Marte Mapu game to spy, and I think he only ended with like 10 snaps because they kind of used Mac Wilson in that role. And no disrespect to Mac Wilson, but I want to see Marte Mapu play over him. And there might have been an instance or two where Mac Wilson was spying and 
you know, he was just a split second away from making a play uh, on Josh Allen, and maybe Marte Mapu could have made that play w- with his closing speed and his athleticism. So that's another guy. You talk about the safety room, how it's going to look next year, maybe with or without Kyle Duggar. I'd love to see as much Mar- Marte Mapu here down down the stretch and kind of see what you have in him, see how he looks maybe next to Jabril Peppers and those guys in that safety room. Absolutely. Yep. Um, but back to the good, Christian Barmore continues to be a problem in the middle. He was given the pills interior line issues all day. And, and that's how you kind of beat Josh Allen. I think it was either him or Godshaw <clears throat> was talking about it after the game. You got to pressure him up the middle. Don't let him like escape up the middle that way. And, you know, they pressured Allen over 40% of the time. They blitzed him a lot. They were good when Allen went off script, which is another way you have to beat him. And I thought Barmore was the key to that. Like we talked about his run defense a lot last week. He was back making impact plays as a pass rusher. So was Dietrich Wise. So was Juwan Bentley as a blitzer. Devon Godchow just loves dominating the Bills. He was really good in the run game. So I thought that defensive front, which was a problem the last two weeks without Judon, you know, creating pressure, getting to the quarterback. I thought they really answered the bell today and had one of their best games in a few weeks, even down, still down Judon and down Uche and Keon White even in this one. Yeah, I, I thought Christian Barmer, I talked about another guy that's stepping up and making plays. and He should be an extension guy this offseason too. I, I think in the absence of Judon and Gonzalez, the question was who steps up both on the field for both of them and leaders in terms of Judon uh, peppers is clearly one. I think I've made it clear how I feel about him. <laughs> Christian Barmore is another guy and it may have taken a week or two, but you're seeing it now. He's giving them that presence. Like you said, no, no Judon or Uche. And he was constantly in Josh Allen's face. Did you say how many pressures he had in that game? I actually didn't mean, I didn't get a chance to look today. I, I think PFF had him with four. That's insane. That's kind of low. Yeah. Yeah. That seems low. Um, Another guy that's just kind of taken, and I think he's finally healthy. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. I don't think he was healthy outside of the first maybe four games last year, three, four games last year. I don't think he was healthy. Uh, he looks healthy. He looks good. Year three jump, all of it. That's a guy that has had an opportunity put in front of him, and he's running with it. Yep. Yeah, they had him a sack, three hurries, but he's up to an 18.2% pass rush win rate. Uh, this year, which is uh, very good. And as Tony brought up in in the chat here, another guy who, who has been key here the last few weeks with this depth, uh, uh, the depth along the edge so low has been Anthony Jennings, who played a career high, 69 snaps yesterday, 97%, just so solid against the run, uh, which is exactly what you need because that's an underrated part of judon's game is he's really good against the run too and you know you need that edge guy to be in there set the edge be a real presence against the run game and anthony jennings has been really good uh in that role the last few weeks another guy in a contract year who wouldn't be surprised at all if he kind of makes his way back on maybe a cheap uh one or two year deal in in that market yeah i quietly having a very good season yep and I think that that's uh, that stands out. Yep. Uh, any other any other defensive thoughts, notes um, you had? Yeah, I mean, again on Diggs, it, it's interesting because on one hand they they held him to six catches, fifty eight yards. 
his lowest production of the season, his lowest production against the Patriots since 2020 outside of the wind game. But Josh Allen missed two walking touchdowns. So, you know, when these teams meet again later in the year, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle. I am. You credit the success. (laughs) Sorry. You credit the success, but it's also like uh, they got some help. They got a little, and and sometimes against a great, and I think Diggs is a great player. I've said this. I think Diggs is the best player on the Bills offense. I think he is more the reason they are great than Josh Allen. You need some luck to shut down a great player. Any great player at any position, you need a little bit of luck if you're really going to mitigate them. But are you going to get lucky again next time? Who knows? That's, if we're in the trust tree, I am worried about the next game because like, Jack Jones saying like, oh, he wasn't a problem for us. How many yards did he get? Like, yeah, and I think I think Pepper said something too. But like, I could just so see like Stefan Diggs dropping two hundred yards against them in Buffalo later this year and being like, oh, but also, was I a problem now or, or what's going on there? Is Diggs still going to be in Buffalo? That I, they're I not going to they're not going to trade him. I, did you see what he tweeted tonight? I think no. he just tweeted this like just now. He said, I'm not going to lie. I do be feeling a little bad when I F up y'all parlay or fantasy. <laughs> Doesn't feel bad about losing the game though. And I don't know if you saw him. He scored that touchdown. He ran away from Josh Allen. Josh Allen had to catch up to him. I don't think they're going to trade him, but we know that guy checks out. And I, I think he's a fantastic receiver. But we saw it in Minnesota. When he doesn't feel like the quarterback's helping him, that's it. And... Is the quarterback helping or hurting him right now? It's no. hurting him. Uh, there was uh, one, one of the drops. I remember it was like the drive didn't end up ending. They got a couple more first downs, kicked a field goal, but not the drops. The misses. I remember thinking, like, if this ends in a three and a half, he's going to lose it on the side of <laughs> he being digs. So who knows where he's at? He did. Where uh, this team's at in a couple months. It was uh, uh, Volan, I think. He tweeted, he digs declined to speak to reporters after the game and he just kind of sat at his locker for like 45 minutes, like all pissed off or something. So he's definitely one to watch, I guess uh, yeah. that, that bills offense. That that's one way to put it. But if we're done defense, we can talk about the wonderful special teams performance. Cause uh, mostly wonderful. There, true. There was a few mental errors there, but uh, Bryce Barringer two unreal punts he had like a 64 yarder and then an absolute he followed it up with an absolute dart at like the three yard line right before halftime chad ryland three for three field goals big 49 yarder to the lighthouse side which the wind was tricky you know i think bill talked about that after the game they him uh ryland and the bills kicker tyler bass had some issues kicking that way in pre-game warm-up so that was a big kick but one of the errors was uh, they didn't have enough guys on the field at first and they had to burn a timeout, which could have been costly going down the stretch there on that last that last uh, game-winning drive because they, they didn't have any timeouts and they had to burn one uh, on that kick on that kick there to keep it under 50 yards. But Bryce and Chad were, were awesome. After some shaky starts at, at times, it was a good, good bounce-back day and some tough conditions for those guys. Yeah, I, I good good and bad day. The rookies were good. Bryce Barringer was really good. Needed that. Didn't shank his first punt of the game, so that should change. But not getting lined up on the field goal unit. You had a Brandon Schooler false start and a punt. Still room to clean up. Uh, t- another plus tomorrow. Douglas's return. So good and bad. Good and bad. Mostly good. We'll see where they go from there. Yep. Good to see Cody Davis back too. He was off the pop and 
took his role right as the personal protector back. Uh, Joe Cartona still like one of I think it was the I forget which punt it was, but like that was a low snap that Bryce had to like yeah. peel off the ground. So that's still a, a worrisome trend. And um, I was rewatching the game and they let Buffalo return three kickoffs and it looked by design. I don't know if you noticed that. I don't know. Uh, and they only gave up 19 yards average on the returns. And I looked, it was Ty Johnson, the running back who they activated. And he hasn't been like a statistically good kick returner. He's been like in his career, he's averaged under 20 yards. So I don't know if that was a design. I know Bill specifically said after the game, they covered kicks well, which originally I thought that was just because they did it so bad in Buffalo last year that he wanted to signal that. But they had seven kickoffs and they let them... Or they Buffalo returned three, which was a season high against New England, and it kind of looked like that was again by design. So I think I would think so. Yeah, I, I yeah. something I know assistant coaches are tomorrow tr- going to try to ask Cam Acord what was up with that because if you look at Chad Ryland's his his setup, he was like five yards. He mixed between five and ten yards on the touchbacks and non-touchbacks. So just something interesting there from from the special teams special teams department that that we could maybe keep an eye on. But I believe that was it. Any, I got I got two more quick ones. Two more. All right, let's hear silver them. pants. They yes. they got blown out by the Bills last year, and I'm like, great, they can't wear silver pants anymore. They're up to 500 You're with back. the silver pants. Good enough for me. Keep them. They look like real football players. They can, blueberries. They can wear them next week too. The Dolphins are wearing their white, all white throwbacks. So the Pats will be in blue in Miami. So bring the silver pants with you. Love that. And then how about Mike Vrabel at halftime? We've got a game to win. <laughs> And and that was this this place is special. It's not like this everywhere. Sounded like a guy that wouldn't hate coming back. Yeah, did say that. And Tennessee's doing a fire sale. They they traded Kevin Byer today. Now they might trade Derrick Henry. Does he want to stay through a rebuild? Just a thought. Just that a would thought. be interesting. Was it you or Evan who had the the tweet like we? Evan had that. That's not how that works. <laughs> that's that's not how that meme works. Because that why would the Titans be laughing about it? But whatever, it was sure. it was funny. It was funny. I'll give Evan credit for that. He's not great at the memes, so I'll give him yeah. credit. Yeah, I wonder how the Titans were thinking listening to that one. That would have been yeah, that would have been interesting. Can't but imagine they loved it. <laughs> if that's all of our Patriots Bills talk, we can move on. Yeah. Or let's talk talk about Bill. Talk about Bill quick before we. Oh yeah, yeah. we got to get to Bill. College, yep, college yep. football and some Boston sports because the big news before the game that. Driving to Gillette, I figured we would probably have to lead this show off because they would probably lose, but that obviously didn't happen. But the big news a few hours before the game was Ian Rappaport reported that Bill Belichick agreed to, quietly agreed to a lucrative multi-year extension to be the Patriots coach in the offseason. And that obviously blew everything up as the Patriots, or blew up the internet as the Patriots are one in five and, and haven't looked good. There's been some reports today, some more context. I know Rappaport went from multi-year to several years. And then uh, Adam Schefter on the Pat McAfee show kind of said that might not really impact them if they want to move on from him after this year. But some added context there because we never really hear about Bill's contract. Tom Curran uh, 
dug it up the last time we heard about Bill's contract was after Spygate. Yeah. So something we don't really hear about. So it, it was definitely intriguing to to hear some details on that on that contract. Yeah, I, and I don't know how much we really learned other than he's not in a contract here, which I don't think he's he. So here's the thing: I, I didn't think he'd ever been. He might have been last year. I want like I'm trying to do the math backwards on this to sign him to a multi-year extension. You think means okay? He signed through at least 2025 because this is 2023, so multiple years: 23, 24, and then se- or sorry, 24, 25, and then several brings it to 2026. But there's some other ways this could work. Was 2023 supposed to be a, a contract year? He was going to be a lame duck coach. They ripped it up and gave him 23, 24, 25, and that's your multiple or 23 and 24. Or was Bill Belichick essentially going to become a free agent? Maybe. So this is very interesting. We're all calling this an extension. Ian Rappaport never called it an extension. In fact, he said new contract, and he said that twice. He didn't say extension. He said new contract. I wonder if Bill Belichick's contract ended last year. And they brought him back. I'm not necessarily going to say they shouldn't have brought him back. But hiring Matt Patricia as your offensive coordinator in a contract year? Bold. (laughs) Bold. Yeah. Or even going into a contract year. Like, clearly his contract was about to expire. I, I, I clearly, I don't think he was signed through like 2025 and now he's signed through 2028 or 2029. His contract was about to expire. So they wouldn't give him, they wouldn't give him a new deal unless like it was close or at the edge or after the way last year went to stick by him. They want him here. They want him here. And, and and maybe, you know, they signed us in the off season, maybe crass having buyer's remorse. Maybe there's still a chance he gets fired. I don't think so. They want him here. They still believe in him. Yeah. That I mean, to hear Kraft every year say like, oh, we got to get back to the playoffs and win a playoff game and then not do that and, and give him a, a new contract, I, I definitely agree that they want him around. But I think the big thing everyone was kind of wondering about is who does – is this something that just fell on Rappaport's lap or, or who leaks this? Like, Oh, it's Bill because it was either bill to try to say like, Hey, I'm not going anywhere or kind of like the Spygate thing from craft saying like, we have our coach. This no, is it was, it was, it's, I, I would bet it's bill worried about players checking out and saying, Oh, you think you're just going to run out the year and then, you know, the new coach will put you on the field. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. I, I think that's what, I think it was a message to the players. Yeah. That, that's what I kind of was. How that on. message is received. We'll see. Cause if I'm Josh Uche, I'm like, well, you got yours. Where's mine? Exactly. But, and and Duggar and those guys. And Duggar, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I uh I, I I would bet it was Bill. Yeah, that, that's where I kind of was at. Just say I'm not going anywhere. Maybe a last grasp to try to like get your locker room to buy back in, buy back into yeah. the program. So worked yesterday, but we'll see. Because definitely some of those guys in the contract year might might have something to say about that. But so that was the big news before the game. We hit on the game. Now we can transition. What do you want to start with? College football or a boss? Let's sport? do college football. Let's do this quick. I'm on the sports hub at 820. I thought that that was like a safe. I thought I'd have enough. <laughs> we started a show at seven. Uh, none of the top quarterbacks played well this week. Just none plain and simple. Penix, May. May was fine. He was up and down. Williams was bad. I would remind everybody this. There is no such thing as a perfect prospect. And, you know, anytime I bring up like Michael Penix, people say, oh, his knees. Or you bring up Drake May. Oh, his age. 
Yeah, nobody's saying that they're slam dunks. This is, you just work with what you have, and these guys are among the best in the draft. That being said, coincidentally, Mac Jones puts on a performance. Hey, look at this. Maybe they don't need to take a quarterback in the first round. Maybe they can focus on a guy like Joe Alt or Olu Fashanu, who had, by the way, had a great weekend, or Marvin Harrison Jr., who was great. I still think they should take quarterback one way or the other. Even if Mac continues to look like this, they should invest in a quarterback in day two just in case do the, um, the, the Jalen Hurts thing. And if that's the case, there's two guys that stand out that had good weeks. J.J. McCarthy from Michigan, who everybody thinks I hate. <laughs> no idea where that comes from. Like, apparently saying a guy's a second-round pick because now think they think they suck. J.J. Uh, McCarthy is a raw but high upside prospect. To me, he is somewhere between Zach Wilson and Brock Purdy. If he plays good against Ohio and Penn State, so, like, he's going to be top 10 probably Ohio state and Penn state can change things. He can turn, he still can turn himself into a first round pick, but right now it's him. Jaden Daniels. Those are the two guys I look at on day two. If you want to get the insurance plan quarterback, those are your guys, but for Williams, for Penix, for may Williams, one, you maybe read a little more into cause he struggled against ranked teams. He struggled against Utah in particular may and, and Penix had bad games. It's going to happen to kids. No prospects perfect. Patrick Mahomes threw four interceptions once for Texas Tech. You 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 just keep an eye on it. Make sure it doesn't become a pattern. But if those guys ball out the rest of the year, I'm not, I, I don't want to start doing draft conversation and be like, well, Michael Penix against Arizona State. All right, if he threw four touchdowns against everybody else, he had a bad night. It is what it is. Same for Drake May. If he lights up everybody else. If he lights up Duke in a couple of weeks, if he lights up the bowl game, all right, so he had a bad game. It happens. Yeah, and, and it's not. I saw a lot of people being like, "Oh, Drake May, Caleb Williams, like they're gonna fall to the team." Like one bad game does not tank your draft status like that. That's not how this works. So it, it was a rough game for all those guys, but they're they're still like see how they respond, and I'd still be shocked if it's not like Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison, Drake May, uh, top three, and Penix probably will still end up in, in the first round there. But yeah, it. it it's funny they all stink and, and Mac has a good game and now maybe you start looking at some of those receivers or offensive tackles that they're they didn't drop at all in the draft. Like they're still have the sixth pick even after winning right. because uh Chicago and Denver won, so they're still right there at six. I think they have the sixth pick and they're two games out of the wild card. So yeah. <laughs> kind of a it's early in the season. Yeah. You're in the race on everything right now, so you'll just see where it goes. But yeah, not a good, not a good week for the uh, for the college QBs and for Team Tank. Team All right, we got we got three minutes. Give me a quick thought on on Matthew Potras' first two oh, I've been I was so happy to see that. I've been so high on Matthew Patra for for months now, and the fact that looked like he was kind of fading off on that third game and. I forget where their third game was out West or the first game out West third game of the year. And you're kind of like, okay, this is what's looking like a 19 year old kid who's just had a really good camp. Maybe he's starting to hit a wall. And then the way he's bounced back these last two games, especially in the third period last night to get the tying and game winning goal as your first career to two goals. He is awesome. He should be a staple in their top six for the rest of the year. And he's given me hope. He is giving me hope back into the Bruins. The goaltending has been awesome. They have two top five, six, seven goaltenders in the league. They're going to be in every game this year because of their defense. 
and their goaltending, some of their secondary scoring is worrisome. Like, let's get Jake DeBrus going here, but Matt Potra is awesome, and if he's a part of this, I think I think that it's going to be good for the Bruins. Well, DeBrus has to be showing up to meetings. He can't be pulling the Jonas Gray. Uh, I'll go real Tyler quick Sagan. on this. Sagan. Sagan, too. I'll go real quick on the Celtics, their opener tomorrow night. If they're healthy, they're the best team in the league. That's the question. I'm excited to see what this thing looks like. I think Brad Stevens has built a good roster. I think ultimately they had a good offseason. Took them a while to get there. They did. Let's see how healthy they are, and let's see what Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown look like. Because I think even with the roster they built, they're still counting on one more jump from Tatum and Brown. And I'm not saying they're going to get worse or they're older over the hill or anything, but how much better can Tatum get? It's MVP. That's it. If Tatum gets any better, he's the MVP. And there's no shame in being a step below that top five player in the league. But let's see if he looks like that guy. And for Jalen Brown, the step up is for he's second team all NBA last year. It's first team all NBA. So you're talking about Jason Tatum MVP, Jalen Brown first team all NBA. I think that's kind of what the expectation is. I don't know that that's even totally unfair. They got a good te- they got some good tests out the gate. They got Miami early. They'll open against the Knicks, who aren't a bad team. Gave them trouble last year. Let's see what it looks like. But the, the whole thing for this season is do they stay healthy? All right, Brian, Sports Hub's calling me. Wrap it up in like five seconds. All right, that's all. If you want to go listen to Alex more, 985thesportshub.com. Follow him on Twitter at RealAlexBarth. Follow me on Twitter at IamBrianHines. Go read my Patriots coverage at patspulpit.com. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we will see you Thursday for the Patriots Dolphins preview.